0: there everybody welcome to this week's edition of tricky kid radio i am your host roy turner as always got a very special special attribute uh, to our dear friend Vinnie Paul uh, from Pantera uh, who unfortunately we lost um, you know and back in June uh, Wanted to kind of take a take a you know the summer to kind of reflect and kind of decide what we wanted to do And we wanted to bring you something very very special uh, when you think of Vinnie Paul if you knew Vinnie um, When you think about his friends and stuff the people that you think we would immediately think about would be Carrot Top, uh, his name is Scott Ferguson. Uh, of course, you guys know him as Carrot Top we how did they have him? Uh, and also, when you think about Vinny, you think about you think about Kings X. Uh, you think about um, you know that was his brother Daryl's like favorite band. Um, he loved to have Doug Pennick, uh the legendary bass player um, and kind of frontman for uh, for Kings X. So we have a great show for you. I right over here uh, is one of my oldest and dearest friends also a fellow drummer, one of the best drummers I've ever seen as a matter of fact Uh, my good friend Chris Adcock Chris, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me pleasure. Now this is our 66th episode (laughs) and I couldn't think of it being the only way it could be any more metal by honoring the life and legacy of our good friend uh, Vinnie Paul is if it was the 666th episode. Do you see what I did there? (laughs) I got you I mean do you see be, what I did be, there or not That would be truly heavy metal That would be truly metal Right exactly um now again, like I said, we're, we, what we want to do is we have lots and lots of, of great guests. Uh, Carrot Top is here, uh, one of Vinny's uh, closest friends. If you saw Vinny in the the, the last uh, year or two of his life, uh, he would be bragging about how many times he had seen Carrot Top's show in Vegas. You know, Vinny, of course, moved to to Vegas uh, uh, a little bit ago, and and every time I'd see him, he'd be like, "This is my two hundred and twenty fifth time to see Carrot." Top and uh, uh, and Carrot Top's a great guy. Uh, he's super awesome and um, and had a very special bond with Vinnie Paul. And so it was only fitting to, to invite uh, Carrot Top onto the show. Uh, and we got a bunch of other great guests uh, gonna be coming up. And it's you know like I said the the idea of this is to to honor him and to bring something and not as a competing memorial because that's the whole that's not the that's not the idea the idea is to to uh celebrate I don't want it to be a celebration but all too often uh what i've seen is it's kind of the usual suspects you kind of got the you know you have the Eddie trunks of the world um who claim you know certain you know, dominance or authority on 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 matters that for for which for the most part they're not they're not qualified to be. But you know what I mean. And that's no disrespect to anybody. But you know, you've got like to the Eddie Trunks of the world and that whole that whole group of people. Um, but you know, you're going to hear something today from people who actually knew Vinnie, uh, people like us uh, who grew up in the Dallas Fort Worth area that had partied at his house, who had partied at his house in Vegas, who had been to all those Pantera shows. Was there when they were, uh, you know, back in the clubs and have seen this trajectory of this amazing thing take off. Uh, Something else, uh, too, as well. And and Chris, you know, jump in here. You you know what I'm talking about. We're not going to be doing all that Oh, uh, him and his brother are now going to be doing drinking black tooth in heaven and and all that bullshit, you know, or man, there's going to be a great jam session tonight with him and Lemmy. And and look, that's cool. But that's that's not what this show is going to be. You know, Uh, there's enough of that uh, out there. We're going to bring you something much more real, much more. Uh, you know down to earth and certainly less cliche um, with lots of great music lots of great guests and just a whole lot of love um, and maybe maybe we'll even play that from Led Zeppelin who knows <laughs> you see what I did there um, so Chris what was you know I, I always equate you with Pantera uh, for several reasons that we'll get into what was your first exposure or just when did Pantera first come onto your radar? Now again, uh, you know this is of course in growing up in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, tell our listeners when, but around what year it was, how old you were then, and the 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 events surrounding it. Wow, the first time I heard of uh, uh, Pantera was a
1: uh, it was a kid in the neighborhood I grew up by Orange Lake. Um, there was a kid in the neighborhood that had projects in the jungle. Okay, and he brought it over, and of course that's the first singer, uh, the early 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 it was days with Terry Glaze right Terry yeah. Glaze, yeah. And so, a lot of people in Orangeon and Pantago, that area, at the time, didn't like the band that much. We we made fun of them, quite frankly. It's kind of funny, but
2: did <laughs> think about back then
1: because they were more of a hair teased up uh, pant. Uh,
0: spandex
2: right 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 more of like a 80s which which people know know about that
0: and i remember Vinny uh when i was running a record store in the late 90s he was right when when uh pantera was taken off he was known to to travel around to the the different record stores to buy up all the copies to try to bury that shit like so (laughs) so, yeah so that's i mean it's not something that that, i mean like this is a celebration chris right no no no. So
1: so what happened is we knew that pantera like me and my brother. Right, right. A friend of ours came over. It was uh, late 96, probably early 96. 80, 86. I, I said 96. Yeah, it's 86. Yeah. 86 right now. It'd be 86. Yes, yeah. You're correct. Uh, Arlie. Came over and said, Y'all need to come see Pantera like at Savvy's or Joe's. Okay, and my brother said something like, Now, keep hey. on, this is
0: a global audience, so, so to tell, Savvy's is a is it was a just your typical run of the bar kind of pool hall in Arlington, Texas, right. and of course, Joe's is what is a very famous but uh, equally shithole out in South <laughs> Fort Worth called Joe's Garage. Uh, that uh, if you've ever seen those Pantera home videos and you've seen the ones where uh, where Rob Halford and Carrie King get on stage with them uh, a couple of those times was at that's the, that was the venue right. where of course your band uh, Anorexic Cafe also performed many many times uh, so anyway so Savvies and Joes
1: so anyway w- my brother kind of had this attitude like we don't want to see them we know Panther and he's like hey they got a new singer Phil Anselmo. and Ensemble uh, and this was right at the time when they got Phil so we went out there to watch them and yeah, it was a cool scene man I, uh, they were great I mean, yeah. for us, we, we watched them play. And they for for a local band, you know, local to the Metroplex, right. in the Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington area, they just put on a show. They were tight. They played, uh, at the time, they were playing a lot more covers because they had less of their own material. But they were playing right. uh, Rain and Blood, you know, doing the Slayer thing. Speaking of Slayer, right, yeah. Uh, uh they did Judas Priest stuff speaking of priest and slayer right yeah <laughs> so you know a lot of cool covers and they did them very well they they did them justice
0: well yeah but what, but when your friend said oh my god you have to come see this band what what was he talking about was it was he talking about because they were that good were they that good by comparison to the other like cuz when you cuz back then i know it's different now mm-hmm. but when you think local band you think amateur band right you think a band that's not you know and to be fair I didn't see them play live before I didn't see them play live with Terry and that's fair okay I just heard the album so yeah so so why do you think he was like because why was everybody talking about them back then
1: it was they had three sets basically at that time it was three different sets one of the set but they all started off with a black sheet hanging up over the stage and they had the pyrotex probably couldn't get away with that today actually because they had the pyrotex and so when they would hit the stage they would play the first part of one of the sets was they would play the first part of Rain and Blood that intro. Okay. That, and then when they came on stage, da-na-na-na-na-na, they came with that riff, yes. Right. And when they came on the riff, the curtain dropped, and the text went up, fire hit the ceiling, <laughs> basically, and they put on a show. I mean, they hit the stage, like it was kind of like, hit you in the face, and they went from kind of being a glam rock band to being, you know, with Phil, and kind of it got heavier and real tight yeah
0: but so, so they were just kind of like you know not not necessarily copying but they were just kind of doing what what their heroes were doing to them you put on a show you come out with a black curtain pyro, right. and pyro and you you really kick ass like right. that you know well you know the reason why I asked that is because my first impression or, or the first time I ever heard the term Pantera and you, you know this but I'll for our listeners I'll indulge you for a second was that you know we had moved um, I spent the first um, you know 12 years of my life uh, just up north in in, uh, in Arkansas. And w- my family moved here in the summer of 87. So this would have been about a year after you saw that show. And and you know how, how it, uh, the story goes on. I had an older relative that you guys were kind of not only friends with, but more like neighbors. Right. And, um, and you guys were like the only people that, that, that we had never seen or knew that actually also played music and, you know, and had drum sets and could play well and all that. And I was, you was know, a kid, I was like, you know, 12, 13. And, uh, I remember coming over to, uh, your house, you and your brother, Jeff still lived at home. Uh, you know, we were both still teenagers, right? And I think you were probably about 17, right? I was 17. And time. he was like about 19. Is that, is that right? Probably 20. Okay. Well, anyway, and I remember that you guys had been, you know, this wasn't the first time I'd been over, but this was like maybe the third time. And all three times, all you guys talked about was y'all were going to see Pantera and it was going to be the greatest thing in the world. So from the time you saw that first show, a year later, you guys were the biggest Pantera fans in the world, man. And so, and again, for me, even though at my very young age, to me, the word, I didn't even, I mean, the word local meant just that. It meant amateur it meant not right not the real deal the only you know but even at that point i never had have been exposed the only bands i ever even heard of were on mtv or on or on the radio right. i think i'd been i'd be that point i'd been to a couple of shows i'd seen david lee roth i'd seen motley at that point so i mean i so so i had a comparison so and i remember you guys you guys have never no nobody has ever been more excited than you and your brother and a couple other of your friends y'all were going to see Pantera. And I think it was probably at Savvy's or, or one of those places and, and I remember you guys had like a flyer that was it seemed like it also had like you know not like a, like a like you know how sometimes they'll have like one flyer and it has like all the dates like like let's say for like this month we've got these eight whatever and it was long and handmade and well done and I think that looking back on it, the actual image was probably the cover to power metal. Now for those outside the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, or I'm sure you probably have learned this by now but uh, most people their first album of course was, was Cowboys from Hell from 1990 but like a lot of your favorite bands they put out a lot of independent stuff uh before uh, the world uh got to know about them uh with like like a lot of bands and they actually put out four records you mentioned projects in the jungle they actually had one called metal magic from 83 Mm -hmm. uh and then they had one uh third one was called i am the night and then of course um uh and of course power metal and so anyway and so i think it was probably around i think it was like that album cover was was you know for power metal but you guys were so excited do you remember the show i'm talking about and do you remember what happened you know what what you're around that time tell me tell me some antidotes or just give me a memory of what you remember from that night
1: oh yeah uh, at the time basically the band was
0: playing a lot of songs from power metal the album wasn't out yet. Yes, yeah, so, so the album wasn't yet out yet because it came out in 88. So this was around... This was summer of 87, so... Right. But you were saying they were playing songs from it. Right. Kind of like an over and out. And... The, and, the, how did, and Death Trap. And, okay, so... <laughs> so that's what's kind of funny about it is that, you know, they were so awesome but still such a product of the time before the originality really really kicked in i mean That's o- true. obviously the talent was there yeah uh, but i mean look at some of some of the song titles from yeah. Uh, rock the world, uh, like I said. Proud to be loud, um, which I think is a cover. Uh, you know, down below. And if you remember back then, Daryl was calling himself Diamond Daryl instead of Dime Bag Daryl. In fact, it yeah. was Diamond Bleeping Daryl. Right. And I remember you—you you had a—I remember there was, you had the picks that had mm-hmm. it on there. You know, hard ride, death trap, <laughs> and of course probably the most infamous pantera song title uh and it was certainly shocking for 1988 was they had a song called psd which stands for <laughs> pussy tight pussy tight so uh i can remember being at one of so i i didn't get initiated uh to pantera because again in 80, 88 i was only 14 so which was a song that daryl sang yeah daryl sang that song right, right. And so a few of the pre-cowboys from hell shows that I got to see were the all ages shows of course they did it at, at Joe's garage. And I believe it, I saw one at, at the basement I think and then there was another one a place called called Fatso it wasn't Savvy's I never went it, it was some other place in Arlington it was really called Fatso's or something I can't remember but uh, it was only a, it was only a couple of I think I only saw them like like maybe like twice before you know, they the kind of, the cowboys from hell took off. Right. And I remember one of the gigs that I was at, I remember him saying, uh, Daryl saying, okay, one final time, pussy tight. Really? And it was like, this is going to be the last time we're going to play it. So, uh, you know, again, I'm sure there's, there's better things, but we're trying to walk you through this trajectory of, of, of Vinnie Paul, uh, and Pantera and to kind of give you an idea of what it was like to be, you know, 14, 15. And that's something, like I said, that unless you were here, uh, unless you lived here and you were of that age at that time, um, it's only going to be secondhand, man. And, you know, and, and instead of hearing it from people that, 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 that weren't, I thought you'd like to hear it from people that were, um, And they kind of give you kind of an idea. It was, you know, your, it it was special because again, it was your typical thing of going to see local bands play at the local thing, but there was just this. Pride, and I'll get into that here in a second uh, because I'm going to talk about their probably their very first uh, at that time the biggest gig that they had ever uh, had played at that at that point uh, in their career and the and the pride behind it. But there was just this thing, Uh, you know. Famously, there are a lot of these people know um, about these bands that are that are because they were such good people Uh, so we most certainly don't want to besmirch that by suddenly segueing into a (laughs) song called pussy tight but for those who haven't heard it i wanted to play something from every era uh, of pantera with vinnie paul or at least everything that that vinnie paul played on and so i thought this would be something that would also be a little bit unique um, if not entirely (laughs) probably not his first choice so again for those who haven't heard it this is Pussy Tight, 88, from uh, the fourth uh, Pantera record, the first with Phil Anselmo, and the last before the major labels from the album Power Metal. This is Pussy Tight.
3: This is Shay, your favorite porn Puerto Rican princess, and you're listening to Tricky Kid
4: Radio with Roy Turner
0: rolling uh we want to thank bulletproof coffee for all of their uh you know great things that they um have brought for the show to kind of keep us going kind of keep uh, keep our lights on here uh we want to thank whole foods um we have there's so many great new breweries um in the dallas fort worth area we want you to check out martin house out in fort worth um they uh it's a great great uh product for which that they put out i wanted to talk a little bit about where you can find me um you of course, my alter ego DJ Tricky Kid. Um, I've got a lot of stuff coming up. You'll be able to see me at the upcoming Fan Expo. Uh, it's coming up in, uh, excuse me, in October uh, at the Irving Convention Center. Just Google uh, Fan Expo Dallas. There's going to be a lot of great guests there from the original cast of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and it's going to be a, a big nerdy time. Uh, we got uh, lots and lots and lots of stuff going on. Make sure that you subscribe to Tricky Kid Radio on iTunes. You'll get shows just like this each and every single Thursday. Uh, and it's free to subscribe. We do appreciate you um, leaving us um, a five-star rating and also any sort of review. You think those things don't don't actually work, but uh, they do. They help us out quite a bit. And... Um, just want to also wanted to th- you know thank to all of our loyal subscribers. We have so much coming up. We have so many great episodes coming up. Uh, everything we have. Laura Lee Linklater, who is Richard Linklater's daughter, the filmmaker. Uh, uh, we have Larry Hama, is coming back, uh, the, the, the creator of GI Joe. Uh, we've, we have a, a tribute to Anthony Bourdain coming up with all kinds of surprises. We're gonna be talking about a lot, a lot, lots and lots of great stuff. So you don't want to miss out on that. Go to iTunes, type in Tricky Kid Radio, and click the subscribe button and join us each and every Thursday for shows just like this you know um, you were talking oh and I also wanted to mention uh, is uh, one of our favorite bands. It's a band. It's a band, King's X, and uh, they actually have a, a book. And it, finally, uh, it's called the Oral History of King's X. They're taking pre-orders for it right now on Amazon. the 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 pre-order link just went up just yesterday. I can't stress enough to you how important your musical and rock and roll education is wholly incomplete without you fulfilling your life with that story of the three members that comprise King's X Uh, so check that out definitely pre-order your copy now Uh, go to Amazon or I believe you also can go go to kingsx.com and uh, and just google it but yeah man get your copy of the oral history of King's X and speaking of King's X I first meet Vinny and his brother Daryl
3: uh i think if i'm not mistaken now lex might have a different story because he's told his story of us meeting but i remember we were doing a in-store in dallas and our manager's brother uh, was the manager of the store in dallas and it was they had two bands king jacks and pantera our first record had just come out no one had heard of us and you know I'm about to ask for Pantera, you know Dime was pretty young at the time, and he's a guitar shredder, and you know they just had that big reputation around town in dallas right and um, so we were all together in the, at this one in store, and pretty much just you know people talked to us and we answered questions and everything. They kind of kept to themselves, and we kept to ourselves we didn't know them very well. I remember Dime was in the corner just shredding like for hours, just by himself, and kids just standing watching him with their jaws in the ground. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and the rest of us were just kind of sitting around doing our thing, you know, with with people coming in and stuff. Um, I at at that point we had never really met or talked to them, and so we're pretty much I I think we all just pretty much kept to ourselves. Rex kind of said that we actually talked, but I don't remember. Yeah. Uh. um, but I, the, the, the next time, they just started playing in Texas, I mean, in Houston, and I'd go to this club called Cardi's to see them all the time, and, and uh, after a while, we just became friends. Um, They're an amazing band. I just, we just had to go back and see them. They were doing power metal stuff, nothing like their records. It was a whole different vibe, like Metallica and stuff like that, straight up metal, but they did it better than anybody we knew. Right, right. Right, right. They were in your face,
0: man. They were in <laughs> that's your right, face. that's right. Well, again, like... It was just
3: undeniable. You just had to get, you You just stopped and you went, wow.
0: <laughs> well, I know that the, the, the feeling was mutual because I'll tell you right now, I don't think I've ever seen King's X in Dallas uh, without Vinny uh, or his brother Daryl, uh, either standing... Or Rex. Or, or Rex. Uh, again, you're right. No, uh, yeah or even at that all, time
3: oh they all would come out to see us yeah and we they'd come to see us in Germany and Canada. i mean if we' were if they were close to us they'd all i remember one time in Canada, they marched into the club in the middle of our set and came down front and and um and dime just was out of control, having a great time dancing, jumping around, and hanging out with everybody, and the whole band was—I'll never forget it. They were just like we were—we were all fans of each other, like big fans. Both of us, you know, both bands.
0: For sure, you know, and I think that's also part of the, the reputation—is that what the legacy will be? Isn't just the music. It's—it's it's definitely them as people. Because if you went to any like-minded show in in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, even as big as they got, they were always there, always there to support. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. And they were always on the ground level. People, you know, Dandag was just a normal guy. He was not a rock star. That's right. He didn't think he didn't take any highly of himself. He had no ego. He was just completely just the guy the guy next door that you hung out with and party with. That's right. Bars a day. That's him.
0: That's it. That's right. Exactly. You actually saw him. Was it? Was it that show?
3: Was it that show? Yes, it was. I thought. I-,
0: I thought so. And when? And where were you? Where were you when? When you heard about about his passing?
3: I was at home. I was just, uh, I think, um, I was in my room, you know, online doing something, and somebody texted me or something and said, Vinny died last night. So I'm going, go, oh, and then, you know, the, we all, you know, everybody's talking. And yeah. I got a hold of Rita and Rex, and, you know, and I said I heard the news and texted Rex and said, what happened? And he didn't know at the moment. He had just found it himself. He said he was trying to wrap his brain around it, and, you know, and, and Rita asked me to be, uh, be a Paul Bear Um Again, I couldn't do it. Like uh, Don, I was asked to be in the funeral too. But we were making the record at the time, the King's X record. And the second time, I was doing shows with MC5, so I couldn't come.
0: Right, right. Um, well, you can imagine the the reverberation that that uh, was. You know, it was like an earthquake.
3: Um, Vinny never said a whole lot. He was always a quiet one. He would just smile and walk around. He was the rock star of the group, though. He was the one that the bodyguards. He was the one that kinda, you know, he, he did the rockstar thing, which was, and it was cool, Not, don't get me wrong, it wasn't like he was an ass or nothing, right. but but he he was more of the guy that knew who he was and he played the game. Darren was the little brother who just was out of control. But Vinny never, we never talked much, me and Vinny. I think one time he did suggest to me a couple things, and I saw I played him a couple Kings X demos, that I had written before we got, we went out to do, or record the songs. And he said, man, you should take that chorus and put it here or do some You know, he made a suggestion, which was pretty cool, which meant he listened. So to me, Vinny was like the guy that had the level head that kind of kept everything in the balance without actually saying it right, right. or being, being a dominant guy. He just seemed to be the one that could reel it all in.
0: Right. He kinda of had that presence and of course which led to him also, you know, producing right. a lot a lot of the records and kinda, of, you know, when it came time to, to get down to business, <laughs> you know, kinda of.
3: Exactly. That's what it was. It was a presence. He all, there was a presence of Vinny all the time around. Like I said, me and Diamond, and everybody else were the crazy people. But Vinny never said much. He just kinda but you knew he was like you didn't take him for granted, put it that way. It was like, Oh, Vinny. The man, you know, he didn't. He wasn't the guy. That, hey man, how you doing? Give me a hug. Let's go get some drugs. You know, he go. <laughs> right, right. And he'd just kind of say, Hey, how you doing? And he just kind of be quiet and kind of do his thing. He always had this kind of like a smile, kind of a smile or a kind of a attitude where he knew who he was. He knew, he knew who he did. He didn't have to say nothing or prove nothing or act it out. <laughs> he was right, just right. cool.
2: Yeah, he didn't, yeah, he he didn't have to sell it, right? Smooth. Yeah,
0: he was smooth. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome, man. What well, you know? What's funny is that one of one of the things that uh, you know that I actually bonded over with them was uh, a mutual love, of course, of, of Van Halen. They kind of they kind of mirrored themselves mm. out of the Van Halen brothers. And as a matter of fact, I don't know if Daryl ever actually knew my name. Whenever he would see me, he would just say, "Hey, Van Halen." <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's Daryl. He had a name for everybody. That's a name for everybody.
0: That's right. Do you remember, did he have a name for you?
3: I um, don't know. They used to call me Doug.
2: Yeah.
0: I
3: always did. And but it was more like, dude, dude. <laughs> you know, and he always had, he'd always have these sayings that he would say, you know.
2: Man, that's exactly,
3: sir. you know. Dude, that's, you know, make-up words and stuff. And he just loved it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The dime right? <laughs> yeah, dime
3: But then, the last time when he was with us was the first time he ever really just talked. To me anyway. He came into our dressing room and we're all hey maybe we all gave him a hug and stuff and usually he'd come in and say, Hey, but the rest of the guys are there and he'd just be quiet. This time he was by himself. And I think he was with his girlfriend and he just he just came back and said, Guys, I just want you to know my brother loved you guys. You guys are his favorite band and I just want you guys to know how much he loved you. You know, he didn't talk about how much he cared about us. Really, he did right. But he just wanted, wanted to really tell us how important we were to him. And it was a really beautiful conversation. Uh, and then that was it. And, and you know, a week or two later, he was gone. Yeah. And, and he was really different. He was different. A little different. He was like, you know, it had a more som- sober attitude. No, I'm not saying this. I'm not relating it to alcohol or nothing. He just seemed thoughtful.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: He just seemed like he was thinking and he was reminiscing and the look in his eyes was he was explaining to us, you know, a vibe and a feeling that he felt and his brother felt. And and I, and we'd never heard him do that to us before. We usually done. Doing there. So, it's your sustain, Ty? Huh? Because Ty had a gut back in the day. And, and Ty trying to make, uh, or uh, Don trying to make Ty lift his shirt up so he could see his gut. And <laughs> Ty was, you know, Ty was so afraid. He said, man, I got
2: to see the
0: sustain, man. Come on. <laughs> it's cool to hear you say that, too, because um, I remember we, we talked about that, too, because I remember seeing Vinny that night, too. And, and, and we talked, yeah. and we, we both kind of felt like he, there was a lot of introspection that night. He seemed to be a, def, definitely a little more of a of a, a seriousness and we like you said we kind of chalked it up that i kn- w- knew that, that daryl's favorite band was was king's x and anytime he sees king's x it, it definitely brings you know obviously thoughts of his brother you know to the forefront yeah yeah
3: For, yeah i guess so you know i can see that because a lot of reminiscence. i remember one one time we were playing the uh canyon club i think it was or whatever that was place he's in uh dallas it's out the it bowling alley type place.
0: Remember it was the it was the old Bronco with the old Bronco Bowl, that's right.
3: Yeah, Bronco Bowl. And I remember we were King's X playing one night and I remember Vinny and his whole entourage were way at the bar drinking and watching the show as usual. And and um, Vinny just got up with a piece of paper and walked all the way through the crowd to the front of the stage, right in front of my mic and took a piece of paper and slammed it. On the on the uh, uh, floor, you know, the stage floor, and I could hear it go boom, and I looked down. And he looked up at me and turned around, walked away, and it said, "Summerland." It just he <laughs> just like do it, come on, man. You know? And it was it was in the set, but he just wanted to hear it right then.
2: So it was pretty interesting. <laughs> It's a but like I
3: said Vinny, like I said Vinny never said much right to me ever, but it everything every time he did you remembered it <laughs>
0: right or he just he just he could just write it down and just sla it down didn't say a word
3: didn't even say hi. Just walked up there, bam, looked up, and
0: walked away. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that next time in a, a King's X show and see how it works. Man. <laughs> well, I know that
3: he had clout, so I don't know if anybody could do right. that. Right, you know? right,
0: right. But that's a perfect example. It's a perfect. I love that, Doug, because that's a pro. He really had his voice as a as a musician too. You know, when you when you hear his stuff, what is some What are some of the more memorable uh, contributions of his musical contributions that? you recall or, or remember
3: you know vinny you mean
0: that's correct um, yeah
3: um i remember we were on the bus uh me and jerry um and the front of the bus was playing the, the a new pantera record i can't remember which record it was you know but uh where the drums were doing he was doing triplets on his kick pedal and jerry looks up and says is he doing triplets with his kick pedal. <laughs> and he was going, cause, I mean, because Jerry does that brr, brr, but Vinny was doing on both both feet back and forth it was, brr, brr, and, it was, and he was just going, is he doing triplets? And I go, yeah. And we just went <laughs> And that was about it. And we just sat there rocking out. Um, that and I remember that Vinny never made a mistake. Yeah. He never fucked up. And his drum set, if you looked at his heads, there was a, you know, when you play drums, you you can always see the the stick holes or the stick indentations in the heads. For, for sure. And, and to show how precise he was, there was a hole in the middle of every head. Yeah. It, when he when he hit it, it was the exact same fucking place. I'm not, we, we never saw a drummer do that ever. You know, it was amazing how precise he was. But we were doing a jam, I think it was a dime bash after Diamond died and Vinny got up to play and he started a song and screwed it up and they had to stop and start it again. And we, and we you know, all of us are, were our friends, we looked around and go, Vinny's
2: all fucked up, I can't believe it. You know,
3: <laughs> yeah. we we're just like, you know, no, no, nobody's perfect, but it was just very. Out of character for him to even stop, you know, to do that.
2: Right, right. And I
3: remember. I, re- I remember he was so confident. I remember on this what 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 one record he says, one take like a motherfucker, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was done. And I'm going, now that's how you make a record.
0: Yeah. Thank, listen, Doug. Thank you so much for for, for, for doing welcome. this today, man. This has been so awesome and so fun,
2: Good.
0: and I'm so grateful today too, because I know you're busy, and it's for you to take the time out today to do this and do this for Vinny. And well, this is
2: this is
3: something I do, though. This is only my career, and I love Vinny, so I'm more than more than wanting
2: to do
0: this. Cool. Well, Doug. Again, my brother. Listen. Thank you so much. Um, I said, I've never seen King X in Dallas without Vinny um, and his brother Daryl uh, standing next to me. Um, of course, obviously, unfortunately that. You know changed and you know about 14 years ago when we lost D- uh daryl but anthrax was just here and you know we had we had uh joy belladonna um and frank Bello on the show and uh scotty had mentioned about how how strange it was to come to dallas and not not text Vinny, you know not the right. text and telling me hey you know we're we're here and are you coming tonight because it's, it's kind of like you you want to think these people you know Support each other, but the truth is, most of them are living, uh, you know, you know, are up in their, their ivory towers, and and and, and you know, and that's, that was not the case with these guys. You know, this was not the case with Vinny He was always generous, always supportive he'd go to the hyenas comedy club in downtown Fort Worth. And sometimes, um, you know, uh, not only what I, what I, what I, I see Vinny but I would suddenly kind of get caught up in the entourage and, and would, you know, would, 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 would be sitting with them. And, or if we arrived at the same time, suddenly I, the, the vacuum of Vinnie Paul would kind of, uh, you know, bring me into, to, into that. Um, so, you know, a guy who just really liked to have fun, who loved life, um, and, uh, was always supportive, you know, of his peers. Uh, you know, and, and speaking of which probably, uh, and Still Panther whenever I'm in Vegas, cause they're always so fun. And, and the Vegas show always seems to be pretty special. And, uh, and they usually play at uh, the Monte Carlo House of Blues, but for whatever reason, they were playing this really weird kind of dance club thing uh, called Dre's uh, Nightclub. And the place is cool, but a place I would probably would 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 do as you know with my DJ thing. But it's very velvet ropey, not exactly you know, not very metal, not very. And the show started like super late. Like I don't think they even went on to like twelve thirty. They were on Vegas time, you know. And so I got done with my set and I went over to Dre's and, and even, and I thought for, for fun, I, I had done this kind of thing where I had this long blonde, uh, kind of like rocker wig. And I had on a, like the, the Joe Elliott union Jack, uh, yeah, I've seen the pictures. you saw the pictures, yeah, right. I and I created this character called Def Halen. And, uh, <laughs> this kind of this, I even had like my Eddie Van Halen, like uh, shoes on and shit. And I was just, Hey, I'm in Vegas. I got done with my set and I went over there like by myself. And I was standing there, and again, it was very velvet ropey. Even though I was, you know, was on the list and 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 all that kind of stuff, they were still kind of like, you know, who is this guy? And he's by himself, and he's not bringing any chicks with him, you know. And uh, and then suddenly, I look behind me, and here comes Vinnie Paul with about, and about twelve people, and and just like uh, the thing once again, you know, Vinnie sees me and he says hello and. And he's like, hey man, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, come on. And then, or they came to get Vinny and, and um, with his little entourage. And he's, he looked over me and he goes, you coming? And I was like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, and and so, um, and I remember you had to, we had to all fit into this elevator and go down to the, where the dance floor was. I mean, like you were upstairs, you had to go down here. And again, this is like full on bottle service kind of nonsense mm-hmm. and all that. And of course, the minute we walked in, the band's already on stage. And they point right at Vinnie and was like, "Hey, everybody, you know, Vinnie Paul's here." Right. You know, he didn't have to go to that show, and it was probably the two hundred and twelfth time yeah. he had right. seen seen, him seen Still Panther, but but he was still there. Right. And you know, that's that's Vinnie Paul, you know, in a nutshell, man. And and I remember uh, that night he um, Vinnie had this house in uh, in Vegas. Him and his brother really looked up to, to, to Elvis a lot, and. Um, and so you probably know the stories about how elvis had a in in his house he had a different room so this was the jungle room and this is the whatever so Vinny apparently seemed to be out to do that and so, he so graceland basically right 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 okay. and so he had like uh he had like this orange like, like 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 carrot top and he'll tell you he he had his own room there at Vinny's place and and one room was like all purple and one room was like whatever. And so, you know, Vinny knew that I was a, a big Prince, Prince fan yeah. and he had called that the, the, you know, the Prince room since it was purple. purple. So that was where I would end up uh, crashing. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, so that's, you know, that that was kind of a snapshot of Vinny Paul in the the last part. And a lot of things. uh He was just enjoying his life, you know, seeing his friends and like Carrot Top and still Panther and having a good time and still kicking ass. Uh, He, of course, his post Pantera band after after Damage Plan was a band called Hell Yeah. And uh, I got to to spend some time, um, they did a tour with uh, the guys in Clutch, who I've had a long um, history uh, and working relationship with. And so I got to uh, see quite a few Hell Yeah! shows. Um, I remember when Hell Yeah! first got intrad- uh, introduced, they were filming a video at a establishment that anybody in the Dallas-Fort Worth area or anybody that's toured through here um after after he came to your Vinnie Paul came to your show, where would he take you, Chris, or invite you to the clubhouse, the clubhouse. Now is the clubhouse like a like a like a, 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 a made clubhouse like in the in a tree in a backyard somewhere? <laughs> what exactly was the clubhouse? I think it's or, or is the clubhouse? It's a strip club, more or less. I mean, a, And for those outside of Texas, we have uh, the ones that are actually totally nude. They don't serve alcohol. That's how they, they circumvent it. There's topless bars, and then there's totally nude bars, but you can't bring alcohol. So any like-minded band would come. Here comes Vinny, and, uh, and then afterwards, the party would be there. Did they, did they do golf? Didn't he have something to do with golf at one time? He's a big, he a big golfer, yeah. Uh, so they, I, I He know had that.
1: some greens or something. There was something to do with golf.
0: Uh, what do you, what do you mean? Like, it, like at the clubhouse or just in general? Like
1: I, I was thinking it had something to do with the clubhouse. I don't know. Maybe I'm I, there. I,
0: I've never golfed whenever I, I and only, <laughs> only, I'd only had been there a couple of times and that's all right. in, in all honesty. Uh, but I knew that Vinny was a, was a, was a big golfer right. and would kind of go out and you know, him and Alice Cooper were, uh, were good friends and Alice Cooper's a, a big, big golfer. In fact, I think that's kind of maybe where he, he may have, have picked that up there. Um, But I wanted, but the probably one of the only times I, or the first time, or or, or, um, or was it I saw Hell Yeah? Was they were filming a video in the. in the parking lot of the clubhouse, and they had a big party inside afterwards. And uh, and he had invited me, and, and and me and some of my friends went, and it was such a great time. And uh, and it was so great to see him at that point, because that was you know w- was wondering if he was ever going to make any music again, you know, or if he was going to be be playing again. So to see him back behind a drum set with all of his great, all of his closest friends, and and with a band called Hell Yeah, which is like his signature call was pretty perfect so uh i'm gonna play a song uh from hell yeah that kind of uh captured that tour uh for me like when i think of that tour with clutch i always think of this song and it has such a such a funny title too it's called uh it's called angry drunk son of a bitch (laughs) Uh, so this is that track from Hell The funny title is called Angry Drunk Son of a Bitch, <laughs> which is which is pretty funny. Uh, so this is that track from Hell Yeah. And we'll be right back with Carrot Top.
4: I got a bomb in my ass and I'm ready to go. All tanks up on night so. Got a screaming brain for regrets and I just don't care a hide there. Every stripper's nightmare. Alcohol is a poison of choice.
3: And you're listening to Tricky
0: Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Thank you so much for listening.
1: I haven't heard that, but it's pretty cool. It's almost like uh it's like it's going back to the early days of Panther. Man, I, I haven't heard that before, but it's kinda like he's going back to his roots.
0: Yeah, I mean it's almost like he kinda seems like 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 it was like power metal, right? It kinda shows you like if you were to strip away all the, you know, the the super heaviness or all the things that Pantera became, um, you know, uh, almost very serious, you know, uh, social commentary, what they were before uh, were just a, a good old fun party band. And that's kind of what Hell Yeah is. I mean, like I said, with, with song titles like Angry Drunk Son of a Bitch. And, and if you look at some of the song titles, they mirror like the song titles we mentioned earlier from Power Metal. Yeah, correct. Yeah, Is easily one of the funniest and most recognizable comics in of all time. My man Scott Thompson, better known to the world of comedy and pop culture as Carrot Top. Scott, uh, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio.
3: Hey man, thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, hey, listen, again, I know the reason why we're coming together today is to, again, honor our our late great friend and one-of-a-kind personality and our great friend Vinnie Paul, uh, the drummer from, from Pantera. And just uh, a, a figure here in the world of music, uh, a legend here in the state of Texas, and obviously a great friend of yours. Now, uh, Vinny moved to Las Vegas uh, not too long ago, but I know that you guys became friends way before that. When did you and Vinny first meet? I think Vinny came
3: to the show one time. I, mean, I literally I think probably uh, 200 shows ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, he really prided himself in the number of times he came to my show. He was like, it's 249 today, brother.
2: <laughs> and uh,
3: he came to the show one night, and as everyone knows he was, really, was such a, a warm personality. He came backstage, and he just said, that was the best show I've ever seen. He just instantly became a fan of mine. And, uh... uh would show up literally, like, at, at times, once a week or even twice a week. He's weird. Like, did coming come again. He just, he just <laughs> saw it. I used to tell him, dude, rollers that? I, I have to keep making these jokes. Just for you. He'd come every you know, He'd come so often. I'd have to keep... And he would remember every new thing. Like, I love that. Even up to the word. I like how you added the word and for the joke. So he was very <laughs> much a fan and they would, they would, uh, would, in a sense, critique it. I mean, not critique, but he would, he would always do every little ounce of the show.
2: Right, for sure. Brilliant.
0: Well, you know, you do of course you do the nightly show there at uh, at the Luxor. That's uh, that's still rocking. I know you have a show tonight, so that's why I'm also so grateful yeah, that you yeah, took yeah. you took the time out to to join us today. I um, you know, what's so funny about about Vinny and, and my experiences uh, with him? Of course, growing up in Texas, and we became friends, and I knew his brother real well as you know, way back in the day. Was that he was always like that? Just that honesty is kind of what he's <laughs> their contribution yeah. their contributions to music is is, is one thing, but their his contribution to just honest conversation. <laughs> Absolutely,
3: yeah, you're right. I mean, he didn't hold back—that's for sure.
0: <laughs> but I know he always would talk uh, about how how many like uh, times he had he'd come to see your show and and. Um, I had we had seen it uh, a, a couple of times and and he had like I said this like running running tally. So you doing that Notley show like you were saying you were like man you know there's only one person out there that's gonna you know see this this many times and I'm gonna hear about it from him.
3: <laughs> yeah, right 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 right. He, yeah he was always he was such a good cheerleader man. He really honestly the best uh, audience member you could have and he'd be so pumped up to bring new people and he'd say wait you see this oh my god wait you see this the best show and he would, uh, he'd always be the first one to come back and say, that was the best one you've done yet. It was always his thing. And i said, oh, stop it. That was the best one. Every show he saw, he said, that was the best one. <laughs> i yeah, take back all the other ones. That one. That was the
2: best
0: <laughs> one. <laughs> now, everybody has, of course, the great, you know, obviously the great drinking stories and the, all the great, you know, uh, Vinnie Paul and all the, the, the funny, because this dude's one of a kind. I mean, there's really nobody like this dude. There really
3: was no one like Vinnie
0: Paul. I talk to you, you know, people say the
3: great cliche, but there really was one guy. there's no one like him. I mean, not only his energy, but just how he was on it. He was non-stop. I don't know how he would do it. He would go, 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 just all all 24 7.
0: I know, like, like unstoppable. Now, you know, one thing, like, when I hear people talk about some of his personality, I can relate to it a little, a little more being from Texas and kind of growing up being around, you know, similar personalities or even, or even sharing a similar personality. But let me tell you something, even from a Texas standard, this guy <laughs> <laughs>
2: <That's> <laughs> took it, great.
0: took it to the limit there. Um, yeah. You know that, course. You know, I guess I think the last time I saw you, my friend, uh, I think it was at, uh, I think it was at the Hard Rock. But um, you know, of course, you know we've been we've been back to his house in in Vegas, and and he had that where every room was like a different color. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I even had a room there. I had a caretop room. So, so you accounts. you had the uh, had the orange room. I I'm a big prince. Yeah. I'm a big prince fan. So whenever and he knew that. So whenever I would uh, was in town, <laughs> I always would crash in the purple room because it was the prince right, room. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, right. Can you share a couple of of, uh, of memories that you have? Outside, I mean, we can get to all the the, the drinking and parting, but just you know, share with our listeners just a little bit of a, of a tender side of of Vinnie Paul. Um, well, we knew
3: Vinny was was it was, was, was a very tender side to him. I mean, especially if we talk about him being outspoken and not being afraid to say what he what he meant. Um, you could have, as you said earlier, you could have a conversation with him about really serious things. You know, you he and I would talk about even the business, and then I'm, and touring, and, 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 and uh, I had this um a song I wanted to remake a song. Uh, send in the Clowns Which was a really Of course Like you know Send in the Clowns right. It was a really Depressing song But I said I wanted to do An updated Like Pantera Hell yeah Version of it <laughs> um, And I asked him To play the drums on it some, I got A bunch of people To play And sing And uh, He said Yeah Whatever you Ever need What's wrong with you said, Where am I at? Where am I meeting you? So he set up At the studio With the uh, Bride And the whole gang And they brought Costumes they had clown costumes on, and they were all running down the street. There was a, there was a house, a studio like, in the middle of the neighborhood, and they came running down the So we already had a video. We, we, we saw everybody running down the street with clown costumes, which they bought. <laughs> he was always good about that, too. He always loved Halloween and, and, and costumes. And always just, he'd always show up my house with a, with a margarita blender. I mean, I go, What the <laughs> what is this? He's like, you don't have one, do you? And I'm like, no, where do you go? Very, gen- <laughs> very generous. Yes. Um, in fact, as, as recently, just before he passed, there um, I got a set of drums, and they didn't come with cymbals. And I called and I said, "Dude, I need fucking cymbals." <laughs> and he said, "I'll be there tomorrow." he showed up with, with cymbals for my drums. So, um, golly, he was always uh, he was always the most generous. That's definitely and 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 always. I never really saw him like not smiling. Like he was always just. The Life of the Party.
2: Oh, yeah. And you
3: go back to that the video when he showed up at the drum thing, he said, uh, what are we doing? I, I played the song for him. And uh, he said, okay, I got it. He sat down with the drums and they hit play and he did one take and he said, all right. And he took his beer and he said, let's go get some lunch. And I'm like, but are we going to do it again? He's like, no, that's it. I'm like, but maybe he tries at it. He's like, no, that's good. We're done.
2: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he did it. He's like, all right. There's nothing to do better. It's great. Yeah, let's go. I was like, awesome. Yeah. So, save me some money on the rental space. So, okay, good. Let's go. Save me some
2: money.
3: <laughs> but, yeah, he was always, he was always, always, always so sweet.
2: Yeah.
0: And always, like I said, like again, you know, confident but not cocky, right? You know.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was very humble. I mean, literally, uh, even with you know, we we would make jokes because I have a strong look about me, and Vinny would have a very strong look. I mean, you know, it's not you don't just blend in in a crowd. Um, but he never was, he never was not nice to one of his fans. He always took pictures. He always, he always, always was just there to be nice and be, he respected all his fans for for what they were, you know?
0: For sure, for sure. You know, this is what I always always tell people. I uh, you know my background of course is in you know is in touring and the music industry and things and and so um even when him and his brother of course were still alive, everywhere I went people would always when they'd find out I'm from Texas, they always would want to know, hey do you do you know the Pantera guys and do you have any good Pantera yeah. stories? And what I would always would tell them is that one thing that you, you don't know, uh unless you lived like right here in the area, is that They weren't rock stars. Like you would you would go to the bank and suddenly you'd look over and you know, Vinny would be the guy at the ATM ahead of you. You know, he's not sending an assistant to do that kind of stuff. You'd be right. If you were at any like minded show, I don't care if it was King's X or Ace Freely or anything that was like minded, they're not like hanging, you know, backstage. They're right there at the bar with you. They're like literally in the crowd standing next to you. And, Absolutely. So, you're right. and so that's how I think that that translates not only to to the fans in terms of the music, but these were, you know, I mean, these guys were famous for at these festivals that, you know, him and his brother would just grab a bottle of something and start just start knocking on doors and just, you know, meeting everybody like how he yeah. how he kind of kind of came backstage with you. Now, what, what was your first exposure to just Pantera, uh, the music? I know you're a big rock fan.
3: Yeah, huge rock fan. I think back when I was in, uh, well, God, I guess when I was in high school, probably. Um, I, I, which was funny because I, I, I had always known of Pantera and I loved their music, and then when I got to, you know, they came backstage and you know, like, you know, the drummer from Pantera's coming. I was like, Jesus, really? <laughs> like, it's, it, it's, it's always that, you know, surreal, right? Um, right. But the happy ending with him is, it finds out that he's such a cool dude. So you know, I've met, met you know, as you've been in the business, you meet you meet a lot of people, and you kind of meet, uh, see through a lot of people. And right away, you go, man, this is unfortunately not what I wanted to be. Right. You know, not the nicest, or not the most humble. And with Vinny, you got exactly what you would never think. You know, Pantera, heavy rock band, and then you you backstage, and he's actually not—I wouldn't say soft spoken, but I mean—he was just a genuine. Guy, like you said, yeah. like just awesome. You know, he came you came to my house. I mean, you know, he's like, we're having a, going to throw up your house and have a little thing. And I said, all right, look, we'll cookout or something. And he showed up with his gang, and they all been you know, a pantera sitting in my house. It <laughs> was um, it was it was great. Yeah, very like you said, just a real like rock star, but not never thought himself as. That more of just hey, man, I'm one of the dudes. I'm one of the guys. Uh, right, exactly.
0: Now, did you have any like when he when he first came to the show? Like I said, and you heard he was coming backstage. Did you were you aware outside of the music anything about him or or his brother or their personality? Well, I knew I knew a
3: lot about his brother. Of course, we all did. Right. I never got to meet dimeback but I knew I knew the story. Right. Um, and I know a lot of people since since the passing years you know, have been saying that you know he never really. He never really got out of that. I never could escape that. Yeah. Um, Kind of living with a, a, a nightmare for the rest of your life kind of thing. And that's why I always thought it was interesting that he always was in such good spirits and always the life of the party. He was always, always the life of the party. Um And he would have this, this amazing cookouts at his house. He, he was so passionate about feeding everybody. And yeah. He would get up in the, early in the morning after partying and go to the grocery store and get all this food spread and be so proud of, like, dude, we got roach the chicken, we got this, we got the thing, we got Texas <laughs> stuff over here, we got the hot here, and he was just loving making food on the grill. And he just prided himself on, on making sure everybody was happy. So um, you'd never know, unless you knew, that he had this big, you know, heavy nightmare that he was battling, in a sense.
0: For, for, for sure. And, you know, and, and knowing Vinny, like, from before and after, you know, like, um, I didn't see too much of him uh, after uh, what happened to his brother, but um, but then then later on he started kind of you know you know the kind of getting it together. I was happy to see the success he was seeing with his new band, and he was happy playing with Hell Yeah, uh, enjoying his life in Vegas, and it was always good to see him. Uh, but like you said, you know him him still having such a full heart, and you know you'd crash at his place, and and suddenly at six o'clock in the morning he's trying to he's blasting music super loud and trying to feed everybody. So,
3: <laughs> yep, indeed, yeah. Tell me what was him.
0: Tell me one of your favorite memories that you have uh, of him. Uh, just, just maybe like, just like a one-on-one between the two of you, if you don't don't mind sharing that.
3: Yeah, no, I think you know when, most of the time that we were uh, that we would hang was um, back at my show. Of course, I would see him outside the show, but there's always so you know commotion because of all the people and whatnot. But no, just sitting backstage one-on-one and just talking about. Um, my career, our, our our careers, and you know, he, you know, he, he would say things like, you know, we have meet some friends in the business, and and some of them, you know, you know, he would go see, and say, you know, you treat your, you really treat your your job so seriously. I remember one time he said, you know, I come to your show a thousand times, but I but I see the the hard work that you put into it. You don't just like, you don't ever walk through a show. Every show is like full on, like the the first show you've ever done is the last show you ever know, will do. Right. And I said, yeah, well, I appreciate you noticing that. So we kind of we kind of had a, a a sense of, both of us had this, as you know, Vinny never did that as well. He, every show was like, you know, the a, a real deal. I remember once with, when I went to see Hell oh Yeah, and Brydog Dog is always, of course, around right. when he's at my show, right? But you ever see Brydog Dog at a Hell Yeah concert when he's working? Yeah. It was like, what the F? I, I didn't <laughs> even know who he was. he was. He was so serious and so like, working and and, and doing his thing, and and that was really cool for me to see. And then when I see Vinny up there doing his thing, I was like, this is... I think of Vinny as the guy backstage drinking with me going, hey, man, that was a great show. I love that new joke." And then I go see him, I'm like, holy shit, this guy's a rock star. (laughs) And a good rock star. He's back up there doing doing his art, and he's he's so into it. So we had a nice discussion just about you know, he was saying, you know, maybe the longevity is not just a coincidence. The longevity is because you put everything into it and you treat it like a real business. You don't just get up there and, you know, if you have a crappy crowd or a crappy show, you just, whatever. We right. never did that. You know, we just, every show has to be the best show you ever do because the crowd out there might be the first time they've ever seen it, you know? That's right. Or if someone's going through a situation that you don't know. You know, it's like performance. Everyone gets letters from people, you know, about situations that people are going through that you have no idea. You just think it's okay, it's Wednesday night, I'm going up to, to my show. And then you get a letter, you know, two weeks later saying, hey, my, my mom had a, a week left to, to, to live and we took her to see your show and made her laugh. And it's like, holy shit, you never, you never realize that. So there's a moment before you go on stage every night when you kind of, because people say, what do you do before you go on stage as far as collecting, you know, are you, are you, you, know, are you getting your mind ready? And like, I'll just kind of go into a whole thing of, um, which Vinny and I were talking about is just kind of go over in a checklist in your head, really. Of you know, there may be somebody out there that's in trouble. There might be someone out there that you know, or just whatever. And you kind of do the show with that energy, thinking this this person might you know need this, as opposed to just going, "Ah, oh, it's Thursday. I'm going to go do it again." It's like I don't. I've never approached that way. I don't think Vinny did either. So we're talking about how we both really take it seriously. Um... It must be. you get a bad rap when you're entertaining. All up all drummers, and I mean all rock stars Right. drunk. I mean even when they go on stage, or on drugs, and they don't give a shit. It's like no, well, actually, people actually with some, they have to be straight to put on a, a rock show like they do. I mean you got to be. And then he would. He would be. They didn't drink. They'd be did this like I would do. Do a little shot before they go up.
2: Right. But
3: when he's up there, it was a job. And then he got done, and then he would have his fun. But he, but when he was up there, he was doing a job.
0: Well, you know, I think that's that's very very special, and I thank you for, for for sharing that with us, Scott. Because he, you know, I think if you heard how he spoke about you in your absence, I think it would really really put a smile on your face. And it was yeah. one of the, one of the main reasons why, of course, obviously, I reached out to you because I mean, I you know. um uh, I know the whole, you know, the whole deal and the whole relationship and, and witnessing it firsthand and all that and and like you said, too It's like longevity isn't a coincidence. My friend, you know, you see all these people that have kind of like, you know, kind of killed themselves or burnt themselves out with uh, with you know drugs and alcohol and um, And there's a time for that stuff But there's also a time not for that stuff and there's a time to put right. on that on that show and make it happen Uh right. and I think also too and I think you probably know this Scott, but it's like these guys were uh, talking about him and his brother, they were slugging it out in, you know, in clubs around here. And like, I mean, you know, like the shittiest little, you know, dive boy yeah. thing and not for like a year or two. I mean, we're talking like almost like a full decade to the point where these guys were pretty much kind of resigned themselves that not resigned like they were giving up, but it was just kind of like, this is probably as far as we're going to maybe be able to get this as just being like the biggest and baddest band in town. But beyond that, so they they waited a long time to be able to live their dreams, and so when they finally got to do it, they didn't take a second of it for granted.
3: Yeah, that's that's, a good, that's probably exactly right. That's why they why they did treat it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's it's a hard. I don't even know how I don't even know a how 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 they but you know I was thinking about that now. So if I, if I had to do it all over again, holy crap! When I do it again. <laughs> right. You know,
2: right?
3: It was a long run. People think that, oh, right. You know, people now they see on people like, oh, he just, he just became on TV. It's like, no, there's a there's a long road that you have to kind of travel to, to get to a certain part point. Um, you have a lot of hard work, and like you yeah. said, determination, and, and not giving up. You know, the easy just to say, I this just, I'm right, I'm done. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do something else.
0: That's right. So it's good they 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 got their dream. And not to mention, but also on their own terms too, though, because I mean, geographically, yeah. in nineteen, you know, when they started the band in eighty three, uh, you know, probably, you know, Arlington, Texas, probably wasn't the hotbed for, you know, yeah. label signing bands, and uh, and you know, a lot of a lot of the world doesn't doesn't realize that you know, Pantera actually put out four albums from eighty three to eighty nine uh, before what many consider to be the first Pantera record, because. Which was, in, of course, in nineteen, uh, you know, ninety with um, with Cowboys from Hell, because that was the first actual record on a major label that the world could actually could purchase and listen to, and things like that. So, uh, in terms of paying the dues, man, and but again, like I said, and then they never left. They never, you know, I mean, he eventually went to to Vegas not too long ago, but uh, that was long after.
3: <laughs>
0: it's right, right, it is. Yeah, he
3: still kept his Texas roots. I mean, that was his thing. Uh,
0: that, that, that's right. He was still uh, such a presence uh, in both places. Oh, yeah uh speaking, yep, yep, yeah. speaking of presents, uh, uh scott so you um so have a, a long running show at the luxor uh it's called yeah. it's called laugh until you're orange in the hair talk a little bit about the show you're doing <laughs> right now uh
3: yeah we've been here again going back to what you said i've been here 13 years so it's been, a, it's been an incredible run um uh kind of kind of one of the things you sit back every day and i just Kind of slowly started letting the audience in on the fact, you know, because it's been so long. And people right. always ask me, "How long have you been here?" Yeah. And, I, and also, how long have you been doing this? And I, I when you said eighty three, that's about exactly when I remember because uh, I said high school. So I graduated high school eighty three, um, and I started doing comedy in eighty six. So it's been thirty some years. Yeah, yeah it's been man. a long run
2: that's right
3: and that's that's what i think that Vinny and i had that's why we had that discussion that one night well not just one night but a lot of times because he would always say dude we're like we're we're exactly about the same age right and we've been doing this art for about the same exact time i mean you know early 80s and he would come back and say holy shit dude isn't that weird that we're still doing this i'm like yeah (laughs) it's beyond
0: yeah, but but at the same Beyond. time, yeah, at the same time, not a, but not a coincidence, like you said, like it's still doing it, not only still doing it, but still doing it at the at, at the highest level, and that's a right. testament to to both not only your work ethic, but just that you know your your ability to entertain and still love what you do, you know.
3: Well, that's you know that's that's the number one thing is you gotta you have to enjoy what you do. I, I've never in my life been more excited at night to go do a show and I and I've I, always honest with people you know, there was a there was a time when I was doing this where I kinda of, not necessarily took it for granted, but I I just kinda of felt like, oh man, I don't w I wasn't having as much fun. Right, right. On stage that I and I don't know what it was I think when I got my residency I kind of felt almost the, the beginning it felt like oh god I'm going every night like almost like a desk job. Yeah. How am I gonna keep this creative, how am I gonna keep this fun every night I'm in the same room and same, you know, kinda of go nuts. And then one day, it just dawned on me, like, oh, my God, this is the best gig in the world. I get to do a show in Las Vegas every night. I get to go home. I get to be creative during the day and kind of come up with stuff for the show. And then it just, I don't know, just some bell went off. And I was like, you know, this is the best thing in the world. And I I thought back to 1986 when I was, almost like what you said, I was playing strip clubs. Yeah. You know, uh, restaurants. I mean, I went up to, it was like a, it was a gig at an olive garden in the back, and I was, on, I was the performer. And I said, where <laughs> my life? At an olive garden. I remember going, and I, but I loved it. I was like, I set up my little trunk, and I got paid like 50 bucks, and probably like a plate of spaghetti was part of the deal, or something, and, um, and, you know, loved it. Just look back and say, well, I'm doing comedy. So, it just had to dawn on me one day, like, well, you made it to the sun, Stage." You're like, you're making, you're, you're, doing a show in Vegas. So, it just, it just clicked, and I've never looked back, and now it's just like, the years go by, but I just sat to the crowd, you know, it's like, I've been doing this since 1986, and it's like a gasp, you in the room. Yeah. Like, what? What? You're an old, you're an old bat. It's like, yeah, <laughs> or no. But they also kind of look at you like, that's pretty cool. And certainly, Even people like when I was doing clubs back then, I was live about how old I was, so i get laid. And now I'm like, you know what, it, it's almost cool just to say I'm 53. And they go, wow, really? That's crazy. So, And you also, you, know,
0: you look the same, Scott. You look the same, man. I'm very lucky. That I'm very blessed with
3: uh, with, with God is one letting me have my hair. Thank God. Cause I go by the name Carrot Top. I could have easily lost that.
2: Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah.
3: It's still, yeah, I've been very blessed. I, I try to take care of myself. I try to, you know, exercise and do all the right things to stay, to stay young and, and, uh, and to be able to do it. I do breathe a little harder when I come out of the hand. <laughs> Other than that, I'm, I, I'm still, yeah, still rocking it. Well, so, you know what's God. Fa-
0: and it's funny too because you know when when people when people uh, you know see you meet you and when, when we talk about it, after the fact one of the first things that always strikes them is to 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 them it always seems to be that not only do you look the same but they're not expecting you to be like this buff dude like I was the same way when we when you and I first met I was like this dude is like got some guns on him yeah no. <laughs> yeah little, no, obviously uh,
3: you know I've always been I always I've always taken, uh care of myself I mean I ran I run every morning I run. Uh, like five miles, and then I go to the gym and I do a little bit of things. So i I've very, I've always done that. So um that's why people, for, for a brief period, people would give me all this grief about being in shape, and then I would say, well, go back and look at me in 1986. It was exactly the same.
2: Right, right, well, right, I
3: remember I was a wrestler. I was a wrestling team in high school. That's when I started, you know, just, you know, lifting weights and kind of, um, it's just be in shape, and then, as, you know, I got into comedy. I'm like, be, what, what better way to stay in shape if you're traveling and you're on stage? You got to take care of yourself. So, I've always just kept that routine. my, my, right. my. My one routine that to uh, to keep keep
0: young. So, well, you know, I I love what you said a while ago about how you kind of suddenly discovered or rediscovered that appreciation uh, for the gig that you have. Because again, you know, the, the touring and the traveling is just can be hell, especially on your creativity. And you know, you're waking up yep. in some new city. So you're you've got you've reached the mountaintop. You're in Vegas. You get to do a show every single night without the traveling, and get to be creative during the day.
3: Yeah, you just said, oh, that's really, um, in a nutshell, what makes it so great. I mean, I still like it. We still do some touring and some stuff like that, kinda, but I yeah. do realize how much harder it is when you're touring as opposed to doing what I'm doing here. Um, and, and the touring definitely is a is a strain on you.
2: For um, sure.
0: Well, you and know, um, for everybody. Yeah. Well, you know, what, what's funny is that you said also, you said, you know, hey, but I also kind of have this challenge of like, you know, because one, one benefit I think of, of traveling is that you, you're almost guaranteed to have a, a new audience and a new venue and there's something about that that, ma- that might give you new material or or just kind of, you know, like you said, you still kind of travel a little bit to kind of mix it up. but But you said, how am I going to keep this fresh? Every single night, and kind of stay on my toes. Well, I, I, the answer is is that you put Vinnie Paul. <laughs> You're right. On right. The, right. <laughs> <laughs> Very
3: true. I mean, seriously, we have an inside joke. We, we, we uh, Vinnie Paul. Uh, I would say to my opener, and I said yes he's coming." I, he's, I, he's like, oh, "I go, Paul." He's like, "No." I go, "Yeah, you ever met him." He's like, "No." I said, "Wait, to meet me i'm like we didn't have, have a joke about the fact that we just saw him two days ago. Well, oh, my God, have you met him? So, well, no, we'd have this joke like, wait, till you meet him, he's really nice. And so we'd like, say, Well, honey, come on, hey, nice to meet you. He's like, What are you talking about? I said, We're just touching your balls because you come so much. But he um, he genuinely loved it, though. He would sit there and laugh. I could hear his laugh through the whole show. And I would literally hear him laughing. And then after the show, he said, Do you hear me laughing? I said, Yeah, you, I don't know how you laughed at everything this day. He's like, well, you, you were on it tonight, man. You just did it. Just, you, you're on it. He would always say, it. You were on it tonight. I remember when I. I, cause he's been to the show literally over two hundred times. He came one night. It was one of those shows, just kind of flat. But I still had fun. Right. And I got done, and he came back, and I said, "Don't you ever? Do not tell me that was the best fucking one you've seen. Don't even do it. I'll punch you." And he's like, "No, you know what? You know what it was? I what?" He says, "It was one of my favorite ones because how you how you handled it. How you were you were different. You were not done, like just bouncing around. Everything was killing. You were had to work for it. I loved watching." your craft of taking a crappy crowd and kind of turning them into a good crowd. I really, and I looked at him like, you notice that? He's like, yeah, I, I noticed the very minute you walked out, the crowd was going to be kind of tough. And I watched you take him into a, you know, I would say from a, you know, two to a six. Right. He said, you know, I saw you, you know, take him from a two to a to a six. And I said, you fucker, how about two and eight? He goes, no, you didn't get to an eight. You said, you got to a six. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he was he was very good at watching and, and, and even he used saying say, I learned from you, man. I learned a lot when I watched you. I'm like, what are you talking about? So we have a, he had definitely, as, as Bridard told me, he, said, he always said, you had no idea how much respect that he had for you. And uh, and I would always say, I wish I could tell him likewise, you know. I wish I could just tell him that, but
0: for sure and you know, and, and what and what 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 special feedback and what a great friendship uh you know that you guys uh have that will you know will always have those 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 great memories and uh you know of Vinny. and and you know and, and like you said uh, just now about him being able to, to, to tell you that. The respect that he had for you was unparalleled, my friend, and uh, and the yeah. way that he, uh, you know like you said, the you know, the the respect that he had for 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 anybody that uh, that could perform at that level for that long, but but you guys had something else, brother. Y'all had something else that was really 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 cool, and 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 like I said, you know, hearing him laugh like whenever you're on stage, that had to be something else for you to be able to, you know, to be able to pick that out of the crowd, you know?
3: Absolutely, yeah. He'd sit right in the middle of my seats and he would always have his hat on and his, we used to mess with him so much. I'd always play his music when I'd go out there and give him a shot or I'd put on, one. not, I'd put a picture of Burt Reynolds up there and i put it next to him because he looked like Burt Reynolds with his shirt undone his <laughs> yeah. chest and, and we just stuck with him every time he came. There's always a new, new way to mess with we always have to come up with how do we mess with him now? We've already done that one. We've already done the Bert Reynolds. We need another one. <laughs> so we'd always we always come up with a little bit just to just to just to them Right. But, um, and he always loved it. He'd say,
0: I love that. Burnt Reynolds one well, was great, dude you know. <laughs> so
3: always fun when he came back.
0: Yep. Well, brother. Well, well Scott, listen, brother. I thank you so much uh, for joining us and sharing these great memories to honor our dear friend uh, Vinny Paul uh, from Pantera. Um, s- s- nothing but but uh, but love and success to you, my friend. Um, uh,
3: thank you, man. I'm back at you. I appreciate that.
0: Everybody, check out my man Scott Carrot Top Thompson. It's the show's called Laugh Until You're Orange in the Hair. It runs uh, at the Luxor. You're booked throughout the rest of the year, aren't you?
3: Yeah, we'll what that we to do next year. We're already actually put some, putting together some road shows too, so we'll be out there in some select cities um, doing some road stuff, and then Vegas, of course, full time. So yeah, we're here. Fantastic. I'll be. I'm. I'm going to all of them. I think. <laughs> <from so
0: far. laughs> well, my brother, listen. I, I'll be in Vegas soon. And I would love to catch back up with you. Yeah, right, man. Real, please, real
3: please come by and say hi. Right, we'll uh, we'll have a little fun and have a little memory, of, uh, little shots, some memory of uh, our buddy Penny.
0: Absolutely, because we'll have to have to do a little little, little black tooth in person there for him. <laughs> thank you scott i really appreciate it
3: sir yes sir all right man god bless
0: god bless you man cheers man i'll talk to you soon okay
1: wow that was cool very i can expect it he's, he's a cool guy great great experiences man that's that's really neat so what are your experiences with carrot
0: well you know cool guy always so so nice and just fun to be around and just a, just a genuine person and i think that that was what that friendship was built on because you know genuine people can recognize other genuine people you know when somebody's full of shit it's you know it's really not going to be magnetic and and, and of course we all know how magnetic Vinnie paul was um and you know and scott has that has that same energy like i said i've met him a couple of times whenever i was out in uh, in vegas you know doing the dj thing and had, had had seen his show and and everybody please go check out his show it's called laugh until you're orange in the hair It plays <laughs> at the luxor pretty much nightly uh up until the rest of the year i know scott's already got gigs booked uh for that for all of next year um And, you know, he's he's so loved that the world had for him. Everybody here uh, in town um, just, you know, even if you didn't know him, you, you saw him. If you went to the ATM, he was probably standing behind you. He wasn't some, you know, ivory tower kind of guarded kind of guy. If you went to any, you know, you know who he was, even if you weren't down with Pantera. One of the biggest and most awesome examples of that pride uh that I have uh was again after um you know Cowboys from Hell had come out and as a matter of fact this was in early ninety two and uh Vulgar display of power had literally had just come out and they were on tour with Skid Row took how long and they were opening for Skid Row. Mm-hmm. And this was again early ninety two. I still wasn't yet eighteen <laughs> um and, uh, and, but what the deal was, there was this pride, this this sense of pride. Now, Fair Park Coliseum, for those who don't live in the area, uh, holds about 8,500 people. And, you know, and the two times I'd seen Pantera before was in front of, you know, just a couple hundred people. So suddenly this was, you know, a big, big deal. And everybody was wearing Pantera shirts. So much so that the security guard stopped and asked me, he said, Hey, listen, because me and, me and Steve were not only, were we both wearing Pantera shirts? We were wearing matching vulgar display <laughs> shirts that we had just bought. Because back right. then, back then getting the shirt was just as important as seeing the show. It was right. almost like you didn't see the show unless right. you, uh, you know, it just before you had the, the, the selfie thing and, and, you know, or the a camera in your pocket, you had to prove that you were there and you wanted to show off the shirt the next day. It was, a, <laughs> it was a major part of the process. Absolutely. And a security guard stopped me and goes, hey, let me ask you guys something. Why is everybody here here wearing Pantera shirts. I guess he was either, you know, out of town or from out of town or just wasn't aware of, of Pantera at that point. And I, and I had, and it was cool. Cause I got to kind of slowly explain said like, Well, they're a local band and there's a lot of, price. he's like, but yeah, but you know, Skid Rose, the headliner, right? Why, but why em- all the Pantera but everybody shirts. Awesome. was there. And it was such a great thing to be a part of that. Uh, and just, I mean, that was something that I'm sure that no matter where they played on that tour there wasn't anything quite like that, and that was really, even though Cowboys from Hell was a, was a very decent success, you could really feel the growth. And of course, you know a lot of people point to that being their their favorite Pantera record. Um, so I thought that was such a such a neat thing. Uh, one thing you know that became so popular. Uh, you know, around that time was, well, was a lot of bands had, you know, you had the album and you had the home video. Uh, but typically the home video was just some thrown together thing that the record label put together that had, you know, their, their current videos. And it was just a, it was a commercial. It was a commercial for the videos. Pantera uh, and Vinny Paul and his brother uh, made that something completely different, uh, and they came out with three different installments of Absolute Mayhem, that led to a generation of copycats. That people, but re- really, want so important because it humanizes them to those outside of um, that bubble. It just did really give you an idea. So that's why it endeared them so much. Uh, to their, their fans, because you have never seen a band that popular being that candid before. You know what I mean? You know, it was almost like, like these videos became so popular that people were anticipating the release of the video, uh, as much, you know, as much as the record, you know, like I remember going to a release party at the basement <laughs> for the second for Pantera to- home video called vulgar video and, it, and it, it earns its title let me tell you this is way before jackass on MTV and stuff and you know but the important part is is it, it you know for all the antics and the in the, the bananas uh, you know binge drinking and, and but it became a little mythology you know you 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 know you know Neil Peart from Rush but you probably don't know what his favorite drink is well you, you know you would never have to, to know Pantera to know about Black Tooth and, and, and all, all their favorite things. I mean, so you could walk up to them and talk to them about stuff that, that you know, that you had in common because you knew who they were. You knew what they were about. You knew what they were like and what they liked. And one of my favorite ones, and this is something that you can really speak on because you come from this generation, and, and I, I like to think it still stands for now, but... Um, one of my favorite things is in one of the videos, uh, Vinnie Paul makes the cover of Modern Drummer magazine and his brother Daryl sees it or at least gets a copy of it before, before Vinnie sees it. Sees it right okay. now, let me let me let me paint the picture. And I want you to I want you to, to chat me up about this is if you were a guitar player, if you were a bass player, if you were a drummer in the, you know, the 80s and the 90s, sure. It would be an honor, <clears throat> excuse me, it'd be an honor to be on any sort of, you know, Bass Player Monthly or, or Guitar Hero, uh, you know, magazine. But chat me up, Chris. There was something different and something special about Modern Drummer. Oh, yeah. Meaning, meaning that it is if there was a hierarchy, it wasn't the equivalent. There wasn't anything that was the equivalent of Modern Drummer. Like there wasn't any. Thing uh, achievement you could make in that arena as a guitar player or a bass player that meant as much as the cover of Modern Drummer. I got you. Talk talk a little bit about that. You as a drummer, you grew up dreaming about being on the cover of Modern Drummer magazine. So talk about that prestige. Absolutely.
1: I mean, if if you're a drummer and 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 you're working on your craft, you're working with your band, you're doing your thing, you're playing your shows. And you could, that's thats like the epitome. That's kind of the, the top of the.
0: Yeah, but, 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 but compare it to that. Why, why what was the, the mystique or the prestige that surrounded? Because you could say that about being a bass player. You could say that about being a guitar player, right? But I, I never met a guitar player that couldn't wait to be on the cover of, you know, whatever Guitar Hero magazine. But everybody talked about Modern Drummer.
1: Well, it's a place where when you got that magazine and then you had Neil Peart on there, you had the Neil Peart, you had the Vinnie Kalua, you had all these different you know, great
0: players on there and it was a...
1: It's it's just a uh, it's almost like one of the Nobel Peace
0: Prize or something for, uh, for, for drummers, drummers for, for sure drummers. right right but that's what I mean is is it even if you weren't a drummer uh, you were aware of the again the the prestige of this and and you know you you know you and I know each other since I was twelve years old and we always you know I played drums for a while too as you know and right. we both grew up as kids you know dreaming about being on the cover of Modern Drummer I mean that's that just means you've arrived sort of I mean it's, well it, it, not only that it's just like that that's almost like that's like the ultimate goal you know and, and, and the band might get the gold records but you're getting the cover of modern right. drummer and so here is somebody who shared a bedroom with Winnie Paul his whole life as a kid and <laughs> and you know and and seeing that dream that that unattainable unimaginable dream being realized, realized yeah. and seeing it being captured on 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 you know for posterity reasons and seeing such a genuine moment that's 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 them right there. That's it's such an amazing moment. I'm going to try to bring you some of the audio from it. If you guys haven't seen it, I I know that those videos are long out of print. I think that they re-released them as is like one collection called three vulgar videos from hell or some shit like, you know, um, and it's on. I'm I'm sure it's probably available somewhere uh, if you haven't seen it. But um, uh, talk to me, chat me up a little bit about, you know, obviously what caused him to make that cover, because he also was a great drummer.
1: Oh yeah, uh, it's, as far as me, personally, when I first started listening to him play, especially when they started getting heavier, just a, he had a certain style. Like when you heard him, he had his own voice on the instrument. And sometimes even in that genre, being the heavier genre, a lot of those guys, and not to, I'm not going to single anybody out, but some of those guys, you can't tell one from the other. It's double bass, pretty heavy, and they don't really have their own voice. He definitely had his own voice. When you heard Vinny, you knew it was Vinny. I, I, I heard new Pantera songs. Like for the first time, I knew it was Pantera before the vocals came in, before anything, because a lot because of his sound, because of that signature, the way he did the double bass and the way he kind of syncopated the ride over that double bass. It just had his voice. And I've heard guys, even in the club, it's kind of interesting, there were some guys that would play on his set, and it didn't sound like him. He would sit down on the same set and then it sounded like him when he was sitting there. It was one of those things that just, he had to be there. Yeah, and it's, it's the son <laughs> it's, of, a, of a true artist. I mean, if yes.
0: Eddie Van Halen could take off his guitar, it's already tuned, it's already plugged in. Yes, I've heard those stories and, too. You know, yeah. and hand it to you and, yep. uh, or, you know, with, with Lemmy with a bass and all that, you know, you playing it, it's not gonna sound like Lemmy, it's not gonna sound and like and Eddie.
1: That definitely was true. I've heard a few different, not to name any names, but I heard a few different drummers sitting on his set back in the club scene. Yeah, And and then he arrives and I, I he was a big guy, obviously a force on the drum set yeah he used gigantic sticks back then he turned around backwards <laughs> their baseball bats turned around backwards and that had something to do with the sound projecting especially on that ride well yeah but name.
0: but you know it's just funny that, that that happened twice in one family you know you know what a genius brother was but you know and and not and
1: almost like the van halen brothers or, yeah, yeah and that's that's what yeah. they
0: always kind of you because know, they were both i mean they, like to this day i'm not sure that dime ever actually knew my actual name whenever he would see me because he knew i was a big van halen fan and we would Talking right. about Van Halen, he'd go, Hey, what's up, Van Halen? Right. He'd go, Hey, yo. He'd call you
1: Van Halen. Yeah. He'd call me. Yeah, I, I I'd
0: be at a King's X show at Trees and Andy Bellum. He'd see me at the the bar. He'd go, Yo, Van Halen. And, <laughs> and, you know, here comes the drinks. And, or, right. you know, right. wave me over. And so. Uh, you know, I think they always kind of model themselves after that. So one of my favorite songs, and I, cause I did, I did want to play a Pantera song, probably one of my favorite songs that best uses what you're talking about, that, that voice-like technique that just, it's just so heavy. And when I mean heavy, I mean not just in tone, I'm talking about just in just, uh, you know, attack it, application. Yeah, I, I say attack. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word for that. Is I like the song, uh, the song called "Use My Third Arm," and this is from uh, probably their most or best-selling record. Even though, um, again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm definitely a vulgar display of power guy, but uh, their third major label record uh, called "Far Beyond Driven" that was the first heavy metal record uh, of its time to ever debut at number one, well, and I don't even know if it's been if that's happened again since then, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, but this is "Use My Third Arm" from Pantera. We're honoring the late great Vinnie Palm We'll be right back with some. Final thoughts and uh, and we thank you guys so much for joining us
1: <laughs> woo <laughs> heavy yeah good stuff though but yeah. very heavy
0: it doesn't really get much heavier than that but i mean but like you said you know he had you know his own voice his own sound and it was so freaking heavy um you know and we just want that's that, that's kind of the, the thing that the, you know the lasting impression that i have of of Vinnie Paul was his talent his generosity his personality there was really nobody like this dude you know what i mean like okay. um completely over the top <laughs> um you know you could say set in his ways and and maybe kind of has a you know a bit of a, you know he had he was throwback in his style he was throwback right. in his taste uh, and really, you know, you know, wasn't a jerk about it, but certainly wasn't compromising about it. And, and it served him well. Right. Um, and it was just it's just for me, it's just crazy to go from that day when I first saw that flyer in your room in 1987. Uh, and here we are 31 years later. Uh, and all that's happened <laughs> yeah, since. Right. Right. It's uh, it's been one unbelievable Ride, uh, And it's been such a pleasure to um, not only to have lived in this area for most of those years. You know, I was in New York for about 10 years, but uh, but just to just to watch it and then to kind of be a part of it in, in some in some, some way, way yeah. uh, you know, getting to. To spend time with with him and his brother, and you know, getting invited to the you know the house in Arlington for those insane parties, and you know the memories, uh, you know that he's given everybody, not just the fortunate ones, again that got to kind of be a part of that orbit, you know, with, with the music and and the humor, and uh, again those crazy videos and right. just the inspiration. Uh, but it's just I, I can't really imagine my life for this area uh, and the indelible mark that that type of spirit not just the music but just that figure has carved out something pretty unforgettable he was really cool i mean i, I i'm
1: thinking of one story back in the day at the club and he was nice enough i'm of was, I was 17 right he's obviously in a big band doing really well and everybody knew they, they had made it at the time but everybody knew they were going to make it yeah right and i'm talking to him drums yeah you know what i'm saying like i'm just talking drums and i don't know much i've been playing two years and he was real nice and i told him one time i was thinking about like building my own set and he's like, well, uh, you know, good luck with that. <laughs> like, I got a. He said something like, I got a buddy that was doing that. You know, uh, it's kind of hard to do, but good luck. Yeah, with that. Yeah, right. and, he, and he was just nice. He was nice to me. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, he right. was nice to me. Didn't have to be.
0: D- right. I was a nobody. Well, but I mean, but that, that's the whole thing. Is that is that I don't think that's how he viewed people. He viewed you know people right. were people were people to him. Right. And that's that's so that's how I see him. Just from the. Early that's days. right.
1: Just 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 a, a good dude,
0: nice guy, real nice guy and that uh ultimately uh will be you know his legacy and i think that's i think we're all better for it so uh, to my man, Vinny Paul, rest easy, my brother. It's been a, a great long ride. Uh, we thank you so much for the music, uh, for the memories, Chris. I, I, I'm grateful to you for joining us this week. Thanks for having me, it's of course, fun. man. And sharing your your memories and your insight, uh, Chris. You're also a great drummer, so obviously I respect. Uh, uh, you know, and I just love that that you know it's always been that one tie that binds. So I thank you so much for uh, for joining us again to all our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, Turn it up loud this week for Vinnie Paul and Pantera. Uh, Join us next week and week after that. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Uh, Just go to Tricky Kid or go to iTunes, type in Tricky Kid Radio, click that subscribe button. We'll have kick-ass shows like this uh, each and every Thursday for you. Uh, And we uh, definitely appreciate you joining us and uh, keep rocking. We'll see you next week.